Welcome to Body Talk 2.0. I'm Allie. And I'm Ned. And today we're going to talk about cholecystectomy. So a cholecystectomy is a procedure where you're going to have removal of the gallbladder. So approximately 300,000 people per year will undergo a cholecystectomy. 20 million people will have gallstones. 20% of these people are symptomatic. And 1-4% to of those will have complications that manifest as a result of the gallstones that they have. So, Ned, what are some indications for doing a cholecystectomy on a patient? Yeah, so uh, you want to take somebody's gallbladder out who's symptomatic, so symptomatic cholelithiasis, with or without complications. Uh, And we'll get into those complications in a second. But what symptomatic means is that the person is experiencing biliary colic. And that's usually a dull pain uh, or a dull constant pain uh, that uh, is usually described as colicky. Uh, It's located in in the right upper quadrant, and it's usually associated with diaphoresis or sweating, uh, nausea, vomiting, uh, and this is classically after a fatty meal, and it's due to contraction of the gallbladder against a gallstone, so it's unable to empty its contents. Um, So we said with or without complications, so complications from the cholelithiasis or that stone being stuck can include cholecystitis, which is infection of the gallbladder, Cholelithiasis, which is a stone obstructing the common bile duct. Cholangitis, which is an infection of the bile duct system. And there's a few things uh, or like classic symptoms associated with cholangitis. Uh, the first one being Charcot's triad. Can you tell us what that is, Allie? Yes. Yeah, so Charcot's triad is going to be the combination of right upper quadrant pain, jaundice, and fever in a patient. And then there's also something called Raynaud's Pentad, which is Charcot's triad plus two others. What are those two others? So the patient will have altered mental status and hypotension, so shock, in the setting of the right upper quadrant pain, jaundice, and fever. Yep. Uh, They can also get gallstone pancreatitis, uh, gallstone ileus, which is a biliary enteric fistula, so between the gallbladder and the uh, uh, bowel, where the stone erodes through the gallbladder into the small bowel and can obstruct at the ileum. And then uh, Marizzi syndrome, or Maritzi's, uh, um, I've been asked this several times. I always forgot what it was, um, but it's an impaction of a gallstone in the cystic duct that then compresses the common bile duct or hepatic duct. Um, so you can also have asymptomatic cholelithiasis in select patients uh, that you want to take it out, uh, and that would be those that are increased of gallbladder carcinoma or just really large gallstones that you might see greater than three centimeters. Um, another reason to take out a gallbladder would be a calculus cholecystitis. So if that gallbladder gets inflamed or if they have gallbladder polyps that are greater than half a centimeter. And why is that, Allie? Because if the gallbladder polyps are greater than half a centimeter, we're going to start to worry about the increased cancer risk. Exactly. And so the next thing we're going to talk about is imaging. This is really important. You'll get asked about it a lot. Um, And sometimes it can be confusing just because there's different options for this. But it's really important when talking about uh, cholecystectomy and whether you're going to perform it or not. So, uh, Allie, what is the uh, first-line imaging technique? So the first-line technique that you want to do if you're suspicious that someone might need a cholecystectomy is going to always be transabdominal ultrasound. So on ultrasound, there's certain things that you're looking for as well. So you want to look to see if you find any stones, wall thickening greater than four millimeters, pericholecystic fluid, and then there's also something called a sonographic Murphy sign. So Ned, could you go ahead and describe what that is? Yeah, so a sonographic Murphy sign or a regular Murphy sign, um, that's just a rest of inspiration, so breathing in uh, due to pain on palpation of the right upper quadrant. 
And uh, the, you know, medical students will say, you know, it's just like pain on palpation of that right upper quadrant. But really what it is, is that arrest of inspiration due to that pain. And then also on imaging, we want to pay attention to the size of the common bile duct. So what size, I guess, would you consider a dilated common bile duct when you do this imaging? Yep. So you're looking at the common bile duct. You want it to be, or you don't want it to be, but what you're looking for is uh, whether it's greater than uh, eight millimeters. And um, just a note about that. I was asked multiple times about uh, whether that, you know, the size of the duct differs with age. uh, And yes, it does. So uh, uh, normal is four millimeters up to age 40. And then normal increases one millimeter every decade. So it'll be five millimeters is normal at 50, six millimeters at 60, uh, et cetera. Um, it's also increased naturally after a cholecystectomy. So for some reason you're getting another uh, transabdominal ultrasound after you've had your gallbladder taken out, then your common bile duct might be uh, increased in size as well. So say we do the transabdominal ultrasound, Ned, and we're still uncertain, we're not sure. Um, what's the next scan, I guess, that you would go for? So afterwards, if, you're, if the diagnosis is still uncertain after the ultrasound, then you can do a HIDA scan. And what that is is technician labeled HIDA, uh, which the patient will get via IV, and that's taken up by hepatocytes, and then it's excreted into the biliary system. So what should happen is it should fill the gallbladder. But if there's a stone that's in the cystic duct, then that gallbladder won't fill, so you won't see the gallbladder on the image. And then another imaging to be aware of, uh, you can get a a magnetic resonance cholangiopancreaticography, or an MRCP as it's more commonly uh, known as. If the uh, patient has elevated liver function tests or LFTs, and you wanna evaluate for concurrent cholecystitis with cholecystitis. And what that is, what that means, uh, because all of these uh, can get kind of confusing. They is all that sound the same. Yeah. This is the hardest part for someone who's not general surgery is they all sound the same. So can you describe, Ned, the difference between like cholelithiasis and just briefly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, cholelithiasis is uh, when there are gallstones within the gallbladder. Okay. And then there's another word out there, uh, cholelithiasis, and that is when there are stones within the common bile duct. All right, so it can be kind of confusing. Uh, But you wanna get that MRCP if you wanna evaluate for the concurrent cholelithiasis with cholecystitis. Um, And then uh, the last one uh, is ERCP, and uh, GI docs usually can perform this. Uh, It can be diagnostic. And also therapeutic for somebody that has cholecystitis because they're able to go in and grab that stone if it's in the common bile duct. If it's in the uh, cystic, cystic duct, then you know there's, they can't get to it. But if it is in the common bile duct, they can go out and grab it. And then uh, I was asked before, uh, kind of a confusing question about how they might do an ERCP with someone who has had a ruined Y. And if you know uh, what the anatomy is post these surgeries. Uh, you know that their new gastric pouch empties right into the jejunum. So the ERCP, uh, you know, they, they put it down through the esophagus into the stomach and then it goes into the duodenum and it'll access your common bile duct that way. But they can't do that if you have the, uh, uh, if you're just going from the gastric pouch because you go straight into the jejunum. So they have to percutaneously access the remnant stomach. So from the outside, they'll find the remnant stomach and they'll stick the ERCP in uh, that way. That's interesting. I didn't know that.
So as far as technique goes, laparoscopic is the gold standard when it comes to cholecystectomies. Um, Open is really only done these days when there's an inability to complete a laparoscopic cholecystectomy or as a conversion when a laparoscopic surgery cannot be completed safety without associated structure damage. So if it gets really bad in there, then they might uh, convert a laparoscopic into open. But you have a few options before going that route. You can try a subtotal cholecystectomy, which is a partial removal of the gallbladder when you can't safely dissect the triangle of Collot, which we'll talk about what that is soon. Um, and there's two options that are commonly mentioned. Uh, one, a fenestrating cholecystectomy, which is removal of the anterior surface of the gallbladder. I think that this is kind of like the undersurface or the portion not touching the liver. Um, and then closure of that cystic duct if possible, like suturing it up. And then uh, the other option is a reconstituting cholecystectomy, which removes the superior portion of the gallbladder and then closes the inferior portion, essentially creating a remnant gallbladder. And I would really recommend looking at pictures of both of these to better understand what I mean when I'm talking about this. And then finally, if you see that the gallbladder is really bad on imaging and you don't even want to try to take it out or go in, but the patient is very sick, then you can do a percutaneous cholecystostomy. Um, and this kind of gets asked a lot, like, what can you do if a patient is sick and you don't want to uh, take them down to surgery? And, uh, what, and basically what that is, is placing a tube, uh, usually like IR can do this, placing a tube into the gallbladder to relieve some of that pressure. And then they'll do a delayed cholecystectomy later on. The idea of all of these though, is to ensure that you are doing a safe cholecystectomy and avoiding injury to structures such as the common bile duct. But I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to let Allie talk about the uh, basics of the anatomy when we talk about this surgery. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about what can go wrong with the gallbladder. So now let's talk about the gallbladder in its simplest anatomical sense. So it's going to be located on the underside of the liver, so in that right upper quadrant, and the gallbladder itself can be broken down into four anatomical sections. So there's the fundus, the body of the gallbladder, the infundibulum, and the neck. And then along with the gallbladder, so we have the biliary system, so how the bile gets transported to where it needs to go. So there's a left and a right hepatic duct, which are going to come together to form the common hepatic duct. So then you also have the cystic duct, which is going to branch off and go to the gallbladder. So it almost looks like a little Y at this point. And then you have the common bile duct um, with the pancreatic duct that forms the hepatopancreatic ampulla of Vader which is where it empties into the duodenum at the sphincter of Odie. So just to trace that back again, the left and the right hepatic duct are going to become the common hepatic duct. A cystic duct is going to branch off to the gallbladder. And then to kind of finish that Y, it's going to be the common bile duct, which meets up with the pancreatic duct at the ampulla of Vader, emptying into the duodenum. Yep, exactly. And then... Uh... They talk about what can contract the sphincter of Odi or what can relax it. So morphine contracts the sphincter of Odi and glucagon relaxes the uh, sphincter of Odi. And then, so just quickly too, because this has an anatomical component. So where does active reabsorption of the bile occur in which structure? Yeah, so that occurs in the terminal ilium and that will actively uh, resorb about 50% of the bile. And passive resorption of the bile occurs about 45% in the small intestine and the remaining 5% in the colon. 
So now blood supply to the gallbladder. So it's going to be from the cystic artery. And about 90% of the time, this is going to be a branch of your right hepatic artery. Um, there, we were just kind of talking about this. To my knowledge, there's a bunch of variations of this. Isn't that right, Ned, in terms of where it could come off of? Yeah, if you Google it, it'll, it'll come with a picture with like 10 different options. Uh, some of the common variations uh, do include a double cystic artery or the cystic artery coming off of the gastroduodenal artery. And then cystic veins are going to drain into the right branch of the portal vein. And then the lymphatic system is going to run lateral to the common bile duct. And then, Ned, does the gallbladder have a submucosa? No, that's just kind of a fun fact. So if you need to, you know, if you get asked about this or it's sent pathologically, then, uh, you, you know, the gallbladder itself doesn't have a submucosa. So there is a very important, I would say, anatomical relationship that gets asked in terms of its relation to the procedure itself. Yeah, we're getting into the meat and potatoes here now. Yeah, this is, I, I remember getting asked this as well on my rotation. So Ned, what is the triangle of Callot? Yeah, so the triangle of Callot or the hepatocystic triangle is uh, a triangle that needs to be cleared out during the procedure because uh, it's a common location for the cystic artery. So I'm going to pass it back to Allie, and can you tell us what the borders of this uh, triangle is? Yeah, so if you can picture superiorly, you have the edge of the liver, and then you're going to have inferiorly the cystic duct, and then medially you should have your common hepatic duct. So this is forming that triangle, and like Ned said, it's so important to identify that triangle because you don't want to damage the cystic artery, which should be in the inside of that triangle. So then how does all of this pertain to the critical view of safety? And what is the critical view of safety? Yeah, so I guarantee that uh, you will get asked about this if you are in a cholecystectomy. Love asking med students about this. Um, it's uh, the most important part of the operation uh, is a clear idea of the cystic duct and artery. And that's confirmed with a critical view of safety. So you want to make sure that you can ID the cystic duct and the cystic artery. And that is a critical view of safety. So there's three parts to that. Uh, the first one is that closed triangle has been dissected free of fibrous and fatty material. And then the base of the liver bed is exposed. So the gallbladder is cleared off the lower part of the cystic plate. And then finally, there are two and only two structures, that cystic artery and cystic duct that are attached to the gallbladder. All right. Once this is achieved, then it's safe to clip and divide the cystic artery and the cystic duct and you're ready to basically take the gallbladder off of the liver and uh, take it out and then finish up the operation. So then, Allie, there's uh, one of the most feared complications from this uh, uh, surgery, and what, what would that be? So the most feared complication is going to be an injury to the common bile duct or the common hepatic duct. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, extremely... Uh, deleterious to the patient because it requires repair by a hepatobiliary specialist usually uh, because they have to create a new way for bile to get into the intestines at that point. So what you can do is you can confirm with an intraoperative cholangiogram. You might see this on an OR board as an IOC, so it'll be like a cholecystectomy uh, possible IOC. Um, and there's several different techniques to do this. But really, uh, all or most of them involve inserting some sort of radio-opaque dye into the common bile duct and then taking an x-ray and you'll be able to see that and see where the damage is or if there's any damage at all. Um, you might also uh, do an IOC if you're concerned for any other stones that are left over in the common bile duct. 
like a gallbladder with multiple small stones or if the patient had elevated LFTs going into the uh, surgery. And then I think, too, you might be able to have see bile leaking from a liver bed. And I think those ducts have a specific name. I remember that from a procedure. Ned, do you know the name of those? Yep, those are the ducts of Lushka. And now for surgical snippets. So Ned, what's the first line imaging in someone suspected with gallbladder pathology? That would be a transabdominal ultrasound. The cystic artery is most commonly a branch of? The right hepatic artery. What are the borders of Colo's triangle? So superiorly, you're going to have the liver. Inferiorly, you're going to have the cystic duct. And then medially, you'll have the common hepatic duct. And what do we look for in that triangle? The cystic artery. And what is the critical view of safety? Critical view of safety is that closed triangle has been dissected uh, free of all that fibrous and fatty material, that the base of the liver bed is exposed, so you've taken the gallbladder off the lower part of the cystic plate where it sits on the liver, and then most importantly, two and only two structures, the cystic artery and the duct, are attached to the gallbladder and visualized that way. Thanks for listening.